Trump. This morning, we're going to talk about birth stories. Birth stories. Uh, we all have birth stories. And maybe your mom or dad told you your birth story when you were growing up as a kid. Maybe uh, you're a parent and you told your kids their birth story. And I guess if you're like Adrian and I, we, we used to like to repeat them with our kids and tell them over and over. And, um, you know, we thought they had some amazing birth stories. And, you know, as parents, we take pictures and you got to have that, that special wall in your house, right? That's just nothing but family pictures jam-packed, right? Mm -hmm. right. <laughs> We're not the only weird ones. <laughs> and this morning, I wanted to see if a few of you would share some of your birth stories, whether it be uh, for you or your children, who, who would like to share a birth story? Don. Well, I got a picture of a little brother, and it's actually not him, it's his headstone. Uh, in 64, uh, I was supposed to have a little brother, but he only lasted like five days. It turned out that uh, his lungs were underdeveloped. He was able to breathe out, but couldn't breathe in, so they decided to let him go. Mm. And uh, when I went to Michigan, see, I, you know, I come from Grand Rapids, Michigan, and this is where all that was happening then. And I told my older brother, well, we got to go see Roger. His name was Roger Matthew. So uh, we did. You know, we, we had to find him. You know, my brother, he didn't know where he was at at the time, so took a little hunting and all that, and we finally found him and all. And then later in the, in the years, when my wife and I, well, you know, common-law wife, we made our first son, I named him Roger Matthew. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We've got a birth story I'd like to share. Uh, Kobe. My oldest daughter was late, and I was miserable. <laughs> and I tried orange juice and castor oil, but I threw it up to <laughs> Um, so finally, the doctor decided to induce my labor. The only problem was he was drunk, and he went home. And I was in labor, and in those days, they carried you off to a labor and delivery room. So they took me off to it, but there was no doctor. And there was a student nurse that I knew as a friend of my older brother. And she said... Don't push. I'm going to go find a doctor. And she ran out these swinging doors. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, don't push. Well, that happened four or five more times that she came in and said, don't push. I can't find a doctor. And eventually, the last time she came in those, those swinging doors, uh, I had a baby girl. <laughs> and on her bracelet that, you know, we all keep from the hospital, it says Dr. Braden for, and I can't even remember the drunk doctor's name, exclamation. Oh, that's a great story. Did I see someone else stand up? Terry? My mom and dad had 12 children, so there was a lot. We don't have time to tell a small story. Some of them were at home and some were in the hospital. Well, I'm number nine. So I was sort of by my older brothers, just not very welcome. Because there was just no room for me in the house. And so when I did.
did get home from the hospital, they put me in the living room by the telephone. <laughs> because my sisters always talked on the telephone, my mom figured good place for it. But I'm going to go on a little bit more. When I was two, I was in the hospital because I was in a uh, house fire, and the left side of my body was burned. And uh, so I spent six months in University Hospital in Omaha, Nebraska. Um, I just praise God that I don't remember any of that, because I know the process they had to do from the burn, because it burned all the way down to the bone in some places. Um, I had a skin graft, and so my mom got pregnant while I was gone and had a baby. And I went to my grandmother's house, and I came back. I was almost three. They had to teach me to walk. And so when I learned how to walk, they brought me back to the house. And there was my little sister in my bed. <laughs> it took a long time for me to, probably about six months, to even look at her. Um, but now we're best friends. Okay, one more. So, oh, you ready to go? Yeah, I got a good one. My daughter Ivy was born in '87 uh, or '89, and we lived in Breckenridge and had to get her to St. Anthony Central in Denver. Was uh, some remember the '55 National Speed Limit? <laughs> And uh, so uh, we got to go down, you know, I-70 up through the tunnel and long slide down to Denver. And this car comes flying past me. It was a rental car with no taillights. I said, I'm going to follow this guy. And he was doing 100. So I followed him about a quarter mile back and right at the top of, uh, I guess it's where you get off uh, the last exit before you go down to Denver. Sadie comes down the ramp, lights flashing, pulling him over. That was the first time I'd ever been from Breckenridge to Denver in less than an hour. <laughs> and she's doing great today. She's a wonderful practicing defense attorney down in Brunswick, Georgia. And the apple of my eye, pretty much. And I'm just so glad you made it. <laughs> Real quick, um, when Sasha was pregnant with Josie, they told me I could go and watch the birth of her. And I was planning on coming about five days or so before she was due. And Sasha calls me up on Saturday, Mom, I'm in labor. I wasn't due to leave for several days. Uh, and so we had a brief conversation, and I left in the morning, and I had to get her straight through. But um, she, I told her to stay in bed and not have the baby till I get there. <laughs> and, um, and I got there, we unwound a little bit. She started walking up and down her mountain and um, got the labor going again, and we headed on up to the hospital. And Josh's grandma was there, and she got to watch Johnny be born. And so she said, well, I'll let you go in and see Josie be born, because I got to see John. And Johnny fell asleep. We put him in a big giant bathtub in the hospital room, 
and I was Mima, and I got to watch Josie Pinkwork, and Josh almost passed out. He was helping. It was one of the most incredible things I ever got to do was watch someone else give birth. Well, opened up a can there. There's but uh, as great as these stories are, not one of them beats the story of the Messiah's birth story, right? And, and that's what we're looking at today. This, this birth story of the Messiah was planned from eternity past. And, and it was so miraculous, it could be hard to believe. Each step in history towards that fateful day was planned in advance. It didn't just happen. And it was planned in advance in a way that was hard to see and it was as unpredictable as it was hard to see. So many things were prophesied ahead of time that had to come true in just a certain way for this to be known that this was the Messiah's birth. God choreographed this whole story, this whole birth story, with an unlikely cast. Not just the Christ child, but also his cousin, who would be the forerunner. The crazy cousin, you know, you remember him, the wild hair, he ate locusts, he was dressed in skins. And interestingly, neither would marry. And both would be executed under Roman rule. <coughs> One would be raised from the dead. These are just the tip of the iceberg of things that happened in this birth story. Uh, speaking of John the Baptist with uh, wild hair and crazy clothes, Adrian and I, one of our favorite stories of our son Johnny is... Uh, not, not your son, <laughs> son Danny. Um, we were uh, doing a uh, play at church, and I was leading it from the Sunday school class I was teaching. And our son Danny was going to play John the Baptist. And so we were, we were at a Baptist church, pretty conservative one. And uh, when it came time for Danny to come in, you know, so we had him staged to come in from the back, all the way up the aisle between all the church pews, and the teenagers were set in the back, and so Danny was coming up. As soon as he came in, we turned on uh, DC Talk, Jesus Freak, and, and you know that song, it's pretty loud, <laughs> and uh, the teenagers just immediately jumped up, and the older people sitting up front, were, <laughs> and that, that's our favorite memory of um, this, this wonderful birth story. You didn't end the story with you were asked not to teach Sunday school. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't want to give anybody ideas here. <laughs> so, um, we're going to look at uh, John the Baptist's birth story, Jesus' birth story, some of the confirmations of prophecy. And I just want to encourage you to uh, enjoy this moment. This moment where we're reading through scripture, relax. Um, today's service is probably going to end up a little bit longer than it normally is. But what better day of the year to have a little bit longer? 
time to spend together remembering what Jesus has done for us and how he appeared. And, and so I just want to encourage you to um, just try to get in the spirit of the, the moment here. Uh, if you've got your Bible handy, let's turn to Luke 1. And yeah, we're going to go through some of the scriptures that the kids went through, but uh, we'll look at them a little more deeply. All right there, Luke 1, beginning with verse 5. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth, and they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord, but they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. That's the politest way of saying they were both pretty old. <laughs> now, while he was serving as priest before God, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord. And he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before them in the spirit and power of a life, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. And Zechariah said to the angel, how shall I know this? For I'm an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent, and I will speak until that day these things take place. Because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. And the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them. And they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple. And he kept making signs to them and remained mute. And when his time of service was ended, he went to his home. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived. And for five months, she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me, to take away my reproach among people. God didn't just send the Messiah. He also sent a forerunner to prepare the way, to prepare the people. And this birth plan was orchestrated through two women who were related, both of whom would be deemed unlikely birth mothers. One was old and barren, and the other was a young, unmarried Jewish girl. 
So some of the details that we gather about John Baptist as we read through the Gospels in a little more detail is um, he was a witness. He was called to be a witness, a forerunner. And he was just a man with the human father and mother, but he was miraculously born to a woman that was old and considered barren. And this demonstrated the divine hand at work. It was an announced plan hundreds of years before. <clears throat> the plan was not so much on the how rather than the event and the purpose of the event. So my question is, in the spirit of the scripture here, are you a witness of Christ? Are you a forerunner? Are you a forerunner in a circle of friends, workmates, and your family. There are many of us who are maybe the first Christian, the first born Christian in our family. And so there, in a sense, we're performing that role of forerunner, being a witness of Jesus to our family. And we all know that's a really challenging place to be, isn't it? Well, Matthew confirms this gospel story uh, about John the Baptist. So if you'll turn to Matthew 3 with me, we'll jump ahead a little bit on John the Baptist. Some of these things that were prophesied by about John the Baptist, we see uh, revealed in Matthew 3, beginning with verse uh, 3. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah. In other words, John the Baptist was the one that was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah. And Isaiah was prophesying about 600 years earlier. This is the one who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. And that was a quote directly from Isaiah 40. Now John wore a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region about Jordan were going out to him, and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. So John the Baptist is preparing these people uh, with this um, repentance with this baptism, preparing the way for Jesus the Savior to show up. Back to Luke. We just kind of read um, kind of the, the trailer, if you will, of the birth story of the Messiah. And we notice that this is an amazing story. This is an amazing birth story. And, and you can imagine for sure uh, Zachariah and Elizabeth were telling John the Baptist his birth story as he was growing up. I mean, how could you not? And you can imagine how Zechariah might have recalled to his son about his birth story. He would probably say, oh, I was chosen to go into this temple by casting lots. And it was my turn to perform the priestly service and burn the incense. 
It was only given to a priest once in a lifetime, and here it was my turn. I was already an old man. While I was in the temple, an angel appeared, none other than the angel Gabriel. And while I was there, my voice was taken away because of my doubt, and I couldn't tell people what was going to happen. Oh boy, that was frustrating to not be able to share that joy. As I said, this whole event and the sequence, the place and the timing was planned. It was not random happening. Neither by the casting of the lots or the, that being the very year that Zechariah was to take his turn. And even the angel Gabriel showing up to tell Zechariah what was happening. But when this happened, it was a confirmation of prophecy from, from old. And remember we asked the question, how is Jesus real to you? Well, this is one of the <coughs> primary ways that we know that the Bible is real, that it's true, that the, the people and places and things in, this, in the Bible are real. Because when it's prophesied ahead of time, and then it appears and happens hundreds of years later in a way that maybe seems unpredictable, we begin to grow our faith as we accept that. You can imagine um, Elizabeth telling John's birth story to him. It might have gone something like, well, I was old and considered barren, and we had not been able to have children. And then one year, your father got chosen to go into the temple to burn the incense. And all I know is, he came out and he couldn't talk. And wouldn't you know it, I became pregnant not long after that. Your dad was trying to tell us this with his hand motions. But, ah, oh well, he was hard to understand. <laughs> then one day, my relative Mary came to visit. As she approached me, you started jumping in my womb. Because Mary was pregnant with your cousin Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Yet another confirmation of prophecy. And in Jesus' birth story, turn with me to Luke 1, uh, verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God. It's the same angel. It's kind of fascinating. He was sent from God to a city in Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and he said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at this saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you should call his name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there should be no end. Remember last week we talked about the Davidic covenant back in First Chronicles where God was telling the prophet about this covenant. And here we are at that moment. 
And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. This is the sixth month with her, who was called barren. <clears throat> Can you imagine being a woman going through life, having that name tag, <coughs> and being recorded in Scripture? Um, what a challenging thing to have to go through life with. But then God had such mercy on her and used her. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. So, you know, we can just totally imagine how um, Mary was telling Jesus as a little boy his birth story over and over and the brothers, the birth story of their brother. And, and uh, it's just a, a fantastic, amazing story. Now, there are other confirmations of prophecy. Um, that's one of the things, as I said, that really helps grow our faith. When a word from God is confirmed through some, some other way. And as we read through the story, I'm trying to highlight these points where prophecy is confirmed. So we're in uh, Luke 1, beginning of verse 39. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah, and she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. <clears throat> and when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women. And blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. So this is that first confirmation, the Messiah. And, you know, when we, when we move through Scripture a little bit more, we're going to see some other confirmations that are really kind of unique to this birth story. But many of us are grandparents, and you know how we anxiously await the birth of a grandchild. That testimony back there. And even beyond that, within a church family, those of us who don't have grandchildren... And, and somebody in the church is having a child. We're waiting for that birth. And when that birth happens, we're celebrating. We're full of joy. And we, we have uh, get-togethers. But in, in the Bible here, we, we read about a couple other people that have been waiting for years and years and years for this to happen, this event. So I'm speaking of Zechariah. And Elizabeth having John, but also Mary and Joseph having Elizabeth or having uh, Jesus. 
So this second confirmation, I'm saying Mary and Elizabeth is the first for our story here. The second one is uh, Simeon. And Simeon was looking for the first advent, advent of the Messiah. The con- he called him the consolation of Israel. And he was prophesied by Isaiah and was well known by the Jews. Simeon was the one who had performed the presentation of the first son, firstborn son to the Lord. Firstborn son, Mary Joseph. And this was done with a sacrifice offering. As with all Jewish boys, Jesus was circumcised on the eighth day according to the law. Let's continue on with Luke 2, beginning with verse 25. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. That's astounding. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, He took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation. In other words, the Messiah. That you have prepared in the presence of all peoples. A light of revelation for the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that the thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. The fall of many in Israel... Jesus is the stumbling stone, uh, both for the Jews and Gentiles. They stumble over this fact of Jesus from different perspectives. But it's, it's through unbelief in, in all cases. And, and yet, he would be through people who believed his message, believed that he was God, believed that he was salvation, He would give eternal life. He would give the Holy Spirit to dwell within all who believe. And they will be resurrected again to eternal life in heaven with him and the Father. What a powerful role in humanity. Jesus is, he's the stumbling stone, but he's also the heart revealer. It says he will reveal the hearts of many. His name is, when spoken or presented, reveals the thoughts of other people as to who is Lord in their life. If you've um, shared Jesus with others, not everybody wants to listen to you, and, and it often reveals what they truly believe or don't believe. Jesus reveals our hearts. Uh, just like Dagon, who is the fish god of the Philistines and the Canaanites back in 1 Samuel, when, he, when that fish god was left in the building overnight and the Ark of the Covenant was in that same building before Dagon, when they came back in the next day, Dagon had fallen face down 
in front of the Ark of the Covenant. <laughs> what a great symbolism there is. Jesus is truly God. Jesus is the life giver. Uh, we're still in Luke 2. Read verse 36 through 38. This is the third confirmation that Jesus was this Messiah. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Israel. Can you imagine both of these people waiting that many years and boom, that day, here comes the Messiah. And the way scripture describes Anna, you, you know she was a devout woman and you know that when she spoke of spiritual matters, people believed her because her life demonstrated her faith. I want to get one last scripture here, if you'll turn with me to John 3. Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born again when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born again? And Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water, and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. This is that second birth. And, and really, it's a spiritual birth. That's what God is revealing through Jesus, through John. That we must be born again. Yeah, we're already alive. We're already existing. And like Nicodemus, who was there in the flesh, he, he said, well, I've already been born. Well, how can I do this? But Jesus was talking about a spiritual birth. And that's what this being born again is. That's We're being born of the Spirit. We've been born of the water, but now we're going to be born of the Spirit. And we all have birth stories. But we should also have spirit birth stories. In other words, those testimonies, those times when you were born again, when, when Jesus came into your life, you were reborn. We should have those stories. And when we tell a birth story, that ought to be one that we tell. By the time the angel comes and tells uh, Mary and Joseph to escape to Egypt, Joseph and Mary that had confirmation that their baby was the Messiah by Elizabeth, pregnant with John, the shepherds, the angels, the stars, Simeon, Anna, wise men. For them, there was no doubt. What about you? 
What about you? Is there doubt in your heart about Jesus being born as the Messiah, the Lord and Savior? That he was born to a woman impregnated by God through his spirit, not a human father. Um, is, there, is there doubt in your heart as to who he says he is? And I say, if so, let your heart be steadfast today. It, is today possibly the first time you've come to agree that Jesus is Lord and Savior? That he was born of a woman, that he came in the flesh, making him the Son of God and the Son of Man. Do you recognize by the scripture and prophecy here that he was the Redeemer and our salvation? And if today's that first day that you're doing that, make that choice today, a choice of faith. It starts with faith. And, and as you think about some of these birth stories we've heard, if you think about some of these answers and testimonies to Jesus being real, these are intentioned upon um, giving you the, the courage to say yes to Jesus. Yeah, today's the day. I'm, I'm going to believe in you as my Lord and Savior. Birth stories are important. You know, I think um, <clears throat> we said last week or the week before that Christmas is about eternity, right? You know, where you're going to spend eternity. And today we're saying that Christmas, this birth story is about second birth. Not so much that Jesus was born, but it's about second birth. The, the spirit birth stories of those who would accept him as Messiah. In, in this song that we sang, Hark the Angels Sing, we sang, Hail the heaven-born Prince of Peace. Hail the Son of Righteousness. Light and life to all he brings, risen with healing in his wings. Mild he lays his glory by, born that man no more may die. That's what we receive. Born to raise the sons of earth. Born to give them second birth. I hope after today's message when you sing that song in the future that will jump out at you and resonate in your heart. Well, Merry Christmas. God bless you. Thank you for coming and <clears throat> witnessing the children to uh, share the story. Well, let's uh, gather around now and pray for one another as we close out our service. Thank you.